Father, I thank you this morning, God. Lord, that we look to you for our victory, Lord. We stand on your promises. No matter what happens, no matter what tries to come against us, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are our protector, our deliverer. You set us free, Father God. You keep us strong. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for all that you are doing in our midst, in and through us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the things that, that, that you're doing in the spirit world, the things that you are changing in people's lives, Lord, that, that during this time, Lord, that people are going to begin to see that there's no hope except in you, Jesus. There's no place that we can stand in victory except in you. And I lift up all those today, Father God. And I pray that you just give us strength and give us wisdom and guidance. Open our eyes, Lord, that we can see what we need to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here this morning. It's so good to see you guys here. And those of you who are online, I just pray that you would just stay with us. And we, you know, um, I was thinking of that song, I'm going to be talking about faithfulness this morning, but I'm not going to be talking about God's faithfulness, okay? I'm talking about our faithfulness. It's two different things. God is faithful, but we need to learn to be faithful if we aren't. And, I, you know, I was just thinking as I was listening to that song, and on the way up here this morning, you know, a lot of things were going through my mind, and I just, you know, when, when there's things happening around you, and you, you have to keep your eyes on him, and, you know, it's just, it's just like everything else when you're, when you're driving, especially when it's dark, early in the morning, you know, and there are all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of things to look out for. And, you know, I have to keep my eyes out for animals crossing the road, <laughs> deers jumping out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I, I um, was thinking this morning about, you know, how faithful God is, but I was thinking about how we have to keep our eyes on what we're supposed to have them on. And little things that happen beside of us, we've got to learn to tune that out. We, we'll, we'll see it for a second, but then when you're driving, you've got to get your eyes right back on the road. It only takes a second. Well, they say it's just two seconds, and you can be off the road in another lane and all that kind of stuff. When people are trying to do stuff on the phone and drive at the same time. But this morning, I'm going to be talking about faithfulness. And I put on our gateway to destiny. You know, unless you're faithful, that's how you're going to get to where God wants you to be, is to stay faithful where you're at. And you can't just, well, you know, one day I'll just fall into it. But it don't work that way. And faithfulness, you know, sometimes you don't think about that when you think about the fruit of the Spirit. But Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things so goodness is one of the fruits of the spirit so if we have the spirit of god living we ought to be producing that kind of fruit and that's faithfulness and you know unfortunately in our world today there's a lot of things that are yeah there's a lot of unfaithfulness there's a lot of things that pull our attention and we're not faithful like we should be we're not faithful in the things that we're doing and we, we, we're looking to the future but we got to be faithful in those things first and I'll talk about that but the first I'm going to give you some just some 
points and some things, but the first one I want to talk about is faithful in little things. You know, if we're not faithful in the little things that we're given, just say in your job, you know, you, you start out, you're doing this, and you're faithful. No matter what it's doing, you're just like, man, I'd love to be doing what they're doing, but here I got to do this. And, and it's hard sometimes, but, but you got to be faithful in that, especially for the most part, if you're going to expect to be promoted to the next thing or the next thing. You know, and I, I'll just say an example in my life is being faithful where I was at in a particular job I had, and I had probably the, one of the lowest jobs on the total, totem pole as far as that's concerned. I think all jobs are important, but I'm just saying as far as in my mind, and I had no idea that because I was being faithful in that, I, I mean, I just, and the next thing I knew is I was offered another position that was a little better, didn't have to do those things anymore. Then sometimes when you get there, you're like, well, man, I'll go back to doing that because it's easier <laughs> than managing people. Uh, people are hard to manage sometimes. But so we have to have faithful in the little things. Luke 16, 10 says, and I'm reading the New Living first. It says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. So if you're not faithful in the little things, you're not going to be faithful in the bigger things that you get. You may think that you will because I want to tell you, I'm here to tell you, those bigger things, they might look easier, but they aren't most of the time. With bigger things, larger things, greater things, there's more responsibility. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of people say, man, I used to go to work, do my little thing, go home, go to bed, wake up in the morning, go to work. But now I have more responsibility, so I go home, I think about what I'm doing, Think about, did I do this and I do that and so on. You know, you know what I'm saying? You kind of, it's different. And so, faithful and large. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And, what, you know, what does that mean? I want to read it in the, the Passion Translation, too. It said, the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. So what it's saying there is like you have to be faithful and you have to have integrity in what you're doing. And never think that what you're doing is not great. In other words, if you're not doing the little things, then what happens is nobody else can do their job if you're not doing those things. You have to be doing I you know, I believe in doing your job as unto the Lord. So you be honest in it. You do it with integrity. You, you, you say, you know, you go to what your job is and you do what you have to do. Not always easy. You know, what you don't think about is those who are in a quote-unquote higher position, you think, well, you know, they got it made. They don't come. But you know what? If you don't do your job, a lot of times they got to go do it. You know what I'm saying? If they don't do it, then you got to go do it. Um, just like here at the church, say if, you know, sometimes the people that we have to clean, sometimes they don't do a great job. Well, you know what? Who has to come in and do that on Sunday morning? It's us and the other ones that come in and go, wait a minute, they didn't clean this? They forgot this? Whatever the case may be. So whatever it is. So, you know, and then if I'm in a position, it's just like God. He's looks and he says, well, you know, until you can be faithful in that, I can't move you to where I want you to be. 
and your destiny is out here, but you got to open the doors for that. In other words, you got to be faithful in what I've given you now. And I'll bring you through some scriptures in a moment with stuff like that. But so listen, I got some statements just to say to you. It says, how you handle minor tasks is an indicator of how you will handle major opportunities. So don't think that you can just do what you want to in the small tasks. And then when you get to the major tasks, well, I'll do that. Well, no, you won't. If you're not faithful in that, if you don't handle that the right way, if you don't do it with integrity, if you don't do put everything that you got into it, you know, if you're digging a, a hole in the ground, you got to do it with all your might and do it just right. Do it the way it's supposed to be. And if you fail to handle responsibility for what you have to do now, you won't handle more or greater things any better. In other words, if you don't handle responsibly what you have to do now you won't handle more greater things any better because see you're looking at you know when i've been in places of management or whatever it is even here at the church you know i'm looking at so and so and i'm like well you know they would be really good because they do things great and they do what they need to do but so and so over there you know i've had people that when i was in management positions working for me that just kept wanting to be promoted, wanting more money, wanting more this, but they never did their job to start with. And they never got that promotion, and they couldn't understand why. It's because you have to do responsibly. And it's the same way with God. You see people like, man, God brought them to this place. How in the world did he do that? How did they get there, you know? And why don't he promote me? Well, maybe you need to look at what you're doing now. Are you taking care of what he's given you to do right now? You might think it's not a lot, but it is. And you know what? If you never go any further than what it is, you'd still do that to the best of your ability. Sometimes that is your destiny. You do it so good, why put somebody else in there? And it's okay. It's, it's what you're called to do. We all have a calling on our life, and we need to know what that is. We need to quit looking at what everybody else does and trying to do what they do and trying to get to their place, and let's do what we've got to do. Do it diligently. Your faithfulness in little things is the prerequisite for being given bigger things. So if you're faithful in the little things, that's a prerequisite. In other words, that brings you to the next thing. But until you get the task at hand done, you're not going to get to the other place. And this is a big one. Because you get in places, um, sometimes it's tough to do what you're supposed to do, Right? And then you know, maybe you know that you're supposed to do this next thing, but you're in a place where you can't right now, and you begin to question sometimes, and you shouldn't. But it's, listen to this statement. Never allow the circumstances you are in to deceive you into believing God has forgotten you. Let's take David. You know, he knew he was destined to be the king, but he couldn't be the king, right? And he started out, he was just a little shepherd boy. He knew that God had things for him, but he was left back when his brothers got to go fight. He was left back to just take care of the sheep. What well, little did he know, he did a great job of it, and he was being trained for what was getting ready to happen. He was being trained. He knew how to, to, um, you know, to kill the bear and the lion. He knew how to do all those little things. But he, at the time, you know, I, I wonder if he knew. But that's preparation. And then he goes to take the food 
to his brothers and he ends up killing the giant he ends up because he had that experience he had what was in him to do the greater thing and nobody ever saw what he did you know until he did that that thing and once they saw it they're like wow this little kid just comes up here and he kills the giant we're all scared of him won't even go out there and meet him and here david does because and david had all that in him because he had already experienced that and he did what he was supposed to do the best that he could do it and even under the circumstances he you know he he knew god had never forgotten him he knew god was with him amen and then take joseph joseph knew that god had something for him but joseph goes off with his brothers and ends up getting thrown into a pit for death and then he gets saved out of that and he ends up being a slave but he ends up being promoted and promoted because he was faithful he did what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it and he never complained about it you know what and he didn't even retaliate on his brothers when the time came he could have been bitter and said well you know what when when they came up he said you know what we need to put them in prison we need to get rid of them but he didn't do that so everything that god has for you to do your present assignment is only serving as a bridge to your greater destiny so what you have to do now it's like it's a bridge it's a, it's a walkway it's 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 a it's a, a a prerequisite it's it's bringing you to that greater thing that god has for you and sometimes you may have to cross bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge right you know what does a bridge do it goes over a river that can't be crossed easily without going through it it goes over in the mountains it goes over big valleys that can't do it that bridge that opportunity is there that bridge to your greater destiny so that present assignment is just a bridge and you know it may not be the easiest assignment you ever had just like you know um in grandfather mountain they have a swinging bridge now this boy wouldn't want to do it that'd be a big assignment for me but if I knew that's the only way I could get to where I needed to go, then I would probably do it. You know, I wouldn't look down. I'd look straight ahead and, if, you know, hope there's nobody else on there that wants to swing it around a lot. People used to do me that way. Like, on, you know, one of the worst things I used to ride was a Ferris wheel. I could ride a roller coaster and all that, kind of, but a Ferris wheel, mm -mm, I didn't like it. Your feet were dangling. Now they're all different. I've rode the one at the beach that's, what, 200 feet in the air and it's, all enclosed it's a lot different so our present where we at right now where god has us serving and what he has us to do and you know what we have no idea how long we, we're going to be there and so many think well you know this is not i know god's called me to this but why am i here because he's training you for the next step and the next step and the next step and i don't know how long it'll be Maybe you're in your job. He said, well, I want to go to. Well, he's training you for the next step and the next step and the next step. You know, and I can see back in my life when I was just in a, what we call a secular job, you know, just a regular. I wasn't in the ministry or anything. I was working in the ministry, but I wasn't full time in the ministry. And I can see where every place I had, God was training me how to have a good work ethic for one thing. I want to read Zechariah chapter 4 to you, 9 and 10. 
First, I'm reading out the Amplified. It says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house, and his hands will finish it. Think about that for a second. You know, you have a lot of places people come in, they do the foundation. Then the next guy comes, and he lays the brick. And the next guy comes, and he frames the house. And the next guy comes, and, you know, they do all that we do. I used to do all the mechanical stuff inside, the electrical, the heat and air, and the plumbing. Then the next guy comes and puts the sheetrock up. Then they put the siding on. and It's on and on and on. But it says Zerubbabel laid the foundations, but he also will finish it. In other words, God said, I, I put, he's laying these foundations, but he's going to go on further. He's going to finish it. Then you will know, recognize, understand fully that the Lord of hosts has sent me as his messenger to you with who who with reason despises the day of small things, small beginnings. For these, that's a question, who despises the day of small beginnings? For these seven eyes shall rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which roam throughout the earth. And in the New Living it says, Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. So he's, Laying the foundation, but he's also going to complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all, all around. Now, how many of you know what a plumb line is? Okay, good many of you do. And when I, when I got out of high school, I worked at... Um, South Carolina Highway Department in the surveying department. And we surveyed roads. We did a lot of the original um, surveys of 77 and stuff like that before 77 was there. And um, back then, now they do it all digitally. But back then, we had to have plumb bob. And it stuck on the end of the thing on your finger. And what happens when, that plumb, when you drop that from it, when it stops, that's straight down. It gets the center of gravity. That is straight down. So you hold that plumb bob there, and the guy over there with the transit shoots it and says, drive the stake there, and you drive the stake there. We used to drive little stakes like this, about that big around, and then you held the plumb bob, and wherever it touched, you drove a nail. So that that's exactly where it was. And you did that everywhere. So why did the Lord rejoice to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand? Because he knew it was beginning. Zerubbabel is beginning to do what I've asked him to do, and he's starting out, and he's got the plumb line, and he's going to get it right. And you know, the, rejo the Lord rejoices when he sees us doing what he wants us to do. I, I also put... Do not despise these small beginnings just in, in Zechariah 4, 10a, because I want you to really focus in on that. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Do you know when the Lord's looking at us and we're coming up, and maybe before we accept him and we're, we're coming up through life and he's looking at it, and then when we begin to hold the plumb, when we begin to look and begin to say, you know what, we got to get this thing started. And there's only one way to start it. You know what? He rejoices. Because in my case, Bill Nye, he's beginning to do what I've called him to do. So he's starting. And that's why we never give up. We never back off. We um, go forward. 
we go forward in what he has for us and everything has a beginning place right even if you buy a a prefab home a modular home a whatever they still has to be a foundation laid and they still have to come in and do all this stuff and like in a lot of the modular homes they put the roof up after you get there um and you know they're even doing things now um those of you this hospital is being built over here on uh what's that road stalin's road i think um i know a guy that works for a construction company that they're doing it and he says the rooms come now already done with the bathroom in and everything and they just kind of like slide it in place i was like, really he said yep i was like that is crazy that's why they can build some things so fast i guess they come already done they just put it in place and hook the power to it and it's already everything's done i was like that is something so so back again if you're faithful in little you will be faithful in greater things so if you're faithful in the starting out and you do that the best that you can do then somebody's going to see that you're going to be able to do better greater things or if, if they're trustworthy in that they're going to be trustworthy in that god looks down and he said robert if you're trustworthy in that guess what you're going to be trustworthy in the next section So the second thing we're going to talk about is faithfulness, faithfulness and resources. This is going to hit you where it hurts. And you know what we don't need to do? We, what we try to do is separate what we do in the natural from what we do in the spiritual. And there's really not a lot of separation. We, we do live in a natural body. But what I'm saying is everything we do, there's a spiritual aspect to it. And if we're, we're born-again believers spiritually, we do what God has called us to do. We do it, whatever we do, as unto the Lord, whether it's natural or whatever. But that God spiritually is working in us through all that. Right? So basically we need God's guidance in everything we do. You know, we can't just say, well, I'm going to go to work. I'm do my job. I know what I'm doing. I'm doing my job. And then when I get to church, the job I have to do there, then I'll pray and ask God to help me. No, you better help, ask him to help you in your secular job too. Believe you me. Because you will come against things that you don't know what to do. And sometimes you just have, you know, you just have to say, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. So you got to help show me or send somebody my way that says, oh, this is how you do this. You know, and sometimes we, we make steps when we're not feel like we're equipped to do that right when, when Peggy and I moved to Virginia and I took a job up there one of the things they asked me are you good on the computer I said well, I can turn it on and not a lot further than that and that was back during the monochrome screens with the green writing and so guess what I had to do I had to learn and I had to sit there and you know one of the things they told me to do they said, well, this is what we want you to do. We, we put this game, this game, this game on it. Play the games. I'm like, really? You're going to pay me to play games? They said, well, it will increase your skills in, the, in mouse. Back then and in commands, everything wasn't click, click, click. You had to type in everything just about that you did. And when I first changed over to, um, from Lotus to Lotus for Windows, I like freaked out. I wanted my command. But thank God there was an option for commands also. So I, I had to back and forth. Till I got the, and now the mouse is awesome. So, you know, we, you shouldn't try. We need God's guidance. 
And you know what? We're always, 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 always should be spiritually blessed. We should always be a blessing spiritually to whatever we're doing. Let me say it that way, right? Whatever we're doing, we should spiritually ask God to bless it. You know, everything we're doing. Sometimes, you know, you know we're doing something that you think, well, what would be spiritual about that? Who cares? But it's a good thing to ask God to bless whatever it is you're doing. Amen? Or whatever it is. So Luke 16, 11 says, And if you are trustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So we're going to talk about what you do with your, wealth, your worldly wealth. And in the, in the, the passion, it says, If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? What you do with natural resources becomes an indicator of your spiritual life and maturity. And what I want to say about this is, let's get this straight. Resources aren't just money. It's all kinds of things. But that's one of the big things that people think about. Because money can't buy you peace and joy and happiness. It might can for like a little bit. And it's really not the true joy and true peace and true happiness. It can buy you things. But what you do with the natural resources that God gives you indicates your spiritual life and maturity. We as Christians, what God gives us, the way we do our job is an indication of our spiritual life. If you work in a job and you um, think, well, you know what? They don't, they don't need this. I'll take this home because I got plenty of them. They'll just buy another one. Well, you know, you're beginning to basically steal in a way. Well, it's just an ink pen. Well, if they didn't tell you you could take it, it's not right to take it. Now, if they said, you know, you can have all the ink pens you want, then, okay, I'll take one home when I need it. But what I'm saying is, is how you do that kind of thing, how you do your job, it's a natural resource. It's an indication of what your spiritual life and where your maturity in your spiritual life is. You know, a lot of people, well, I'm do this, so they should just give it to me. No, not really. You know something? You can't buy spiritual gifts. You can't buy them. And I'm talking about with your actions, anything. You can't buy anything like that. You can't buy it with your money. Let's go to um, Acts 8, 18 through 23. And this is Simon. Now, what had happened is that um, Paul and those, the disciples, they were... God was using them to do healing and deliverance. All kinds of things were happening. And Simon saw, and this is what, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with your thinking God's gift can be bought. So Simon thought, I can just buy. I can just pay them. They'll show me what to do. I'll do it. I'll pay them, and then I can have this gifting. And they went on to say, you can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. 
So what they're saying is you can't buy. What do you think you're going to do? You're just going to buy this? No, you've got to prove yourself. You've got to be faithful with what God's doing. And then, you know, God will release this power on you. You will be able to do those things. But you're not going to be able to buy it. You're not going to be able to buy it. So where was Simon's heart? It was in his ability to buy stuff. It was in his power to have money. And it was in the power of that money to do things. Uh, Matthew 6, 21 says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So wherever your treasure is, that's where the desire of your heart. You say, well, you know, I don't really desire spiritual, but where's the treasure of your heart? And, you know, we have to get to the place in our finances. We know that God owns everything we have, and he's allowed us to have it, and he only requires 10% of it to give back to him. And we go, we never do that, and we go around wondering why is our money like it is. And if you go back to Malachi, third chapter, you're robbing God. Well, I give some, but you're not doing what God said to do. And, I, and listen, God is forgiven, and he forgives us, and he loves us. We're not bound to the old law. But if your things aren't working out, guess what? You may not be. There are laws that are set forth in this earth, and that's one of them. So if you can't allow Jesus to direct your natural resources and the things that he said to do, how can he trust you with his spiritual resources? In other words, if you're not going to listen to what he says, then how are you going to expect him to trust you with the spiritual resources? How are you going to expect him to trust you to go further? See, money's neither good nor evil. Some people quote that wrong. They said, you know, that it's the money. But it's, it's the root. It's, it's what's down inside of you that's evil. It's not the money. Money's no, nothing but just stuff. So it, it, and it possesses no morality at all, right? It's not moral or immoral. It's in the hands of somebody that can be moral or immoral. immoral and what you do to it, what you do with it, it's not. Listen to this statement. Its morality is in the life of the possessor. That's where the morality is. You can do whatever you want to with your money, but it's in that. And you know what? The reason that is said about this and it's said about money and a lot, because, you know, money can be a, um, a revealer of your heart. And God can look at what you do with with the, 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 what he gives you and he can it will reveal your heart whether that's what you're really after or are you really after you know so I'm going to do this because I know God will bless me well that's not the reason you do it you do it because you love God and you want to touch people's lives and you want to touch his other people wherever so you're not doing it because you just want to be blessed that's the wrong reason and it'll revere where your heart is. My heart, I just want to do this long enough for God to help me out and do this and give me some money. And then I'll, you know. And people do that all the time. So we got to be faithful in the resources that God gives us. And I believe that's also the talents that he gives us, the giftings that he gives. We got to be faithful in that to develop our talents. You know, you can have a talent to do something. You say, well, I know how to do that, but never do it. And guess what? You'll never develop that talent. You just say, well, I can do that. Or I could do that if I wanted to. 
problem is you don't want to. Right? <laughs> so the next one is faithfulness in what belongs to someone else. So there's that next step. Are you faithful in what belongs to somebody else? Like I was saying about your job and stuff. Are you faithful in that? You know, in America, unfortunately, our concept is more of, you know, you better look out for yourself and forget the other guy. I'm going to get this job and I'm not going to worry about looking out for who I work for. I'm looking out for me and nobody else. Well, you need to look out for you, but you need to look out and, and you know, because listen, if you don't do your job and the people that you work for, it don't, everybody has that attitude, guess what? Soon there won't be somebody to work for, right? And sometimes that's hard, but you know what I want to say? It's just stick there till God tells you what to do, when to move and where to go. Right, Mike? And chances are when you get ready to move, nobody's not going to like it. Tell you nuts and crazy. I've been told that several times. See, we often use people and opportunities for self-promotion rather than self-development, right? There's self-promoting. Well, you know what? If I, if I buddy up with so-and-so, <laughs> you know, they really like him in this company. If I get friends with him and I'm his friend or her friend, guess what? I'm going to be right up there and they're going to look at me like, well, they're friends, so he's got to be. If you're doing that instead of self-development, you get into that place, you're not going to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. You're not going to be able to do what you need to do. And you know what? I know people that do that in, in, the, in the Christian world and in the, the church. They go from church to church to church trying to get chummy with people. All right? Everybody listen. And they think that'll bring them to the place they want to be. And you know what? Some of those people go for years and years and years, and they never get that place they want to be because they were not willing to develop themselves. They were not willing to do what it took. They just wanted a promotion. I want to be to the next place. And I think I probably told you this before, but I had years and years and years ago, somebody that worked, I was a manager and I worked for me and all the time I heard, I need, to, I need more money, I need more money, I need more money, I need more money. Well, he wasn't great at what he did. He didn't develop his resources. And, but then we had an opportunity for everybody that wanted to, to work more hours. Four more hours every day, 12 hours a day. So that became more money. So I went to this guy first, and I was like, I'm coming to you first because we only have so many slots I said for everybody that wanted to, but everybody, there were so many slots. And I said, I'm coming to you first because you tell me you need to make more money. This will be a great opportunity for you to make more money. And you know what he told me? I don't want to work anymore. I just want more money. Well, he didn't get to do that, and he didn't get any more money. So we have to the self-development we have to learn to develop things we have to put everything that we can put into it so that we will become what we need to be and we'll be ready for the next step if you're not ready for the next step it's not a good thing so you know in this whole concept of people using other people have you ever been used for those reasons 
Doesn't feel good, does it? You know what's worse? If they use you for that, and then because of something you said, well, you know, I think that they should do it because they, you know, they may tell you how great you are and how much they love you and how much great you are and blah, 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 and how much they like you and they think you do a great job. And then you go and say, well, you know what? So-and-so would be a good, and then they get in that place and they don't do good. Guess what it does to you? <laughs> don't look good. Doesn't look good at all. Back to um, in Luke 16, 12, it says it this way. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And you know what? How we deal with what belongs to other people affects our potential. How we deal with what belongs to somebody else, it affects our potential. You know, if you borrow something from somebody... And you give it back to them broken. Guess what? Next time you want to borrow something, what are they going to say? No, I'm sorry. Right? It affects what you're able to do in the future. It affects you. Things, you know, that you borrow from people, they need to go back to them as good or better than it was. If you break it, then go buy them a new one and bring them a new one. Don't bring it to them back. Well, I'm sorry it broke. It wasn't any good. You shouldn't have given me such a sorry piece of equipment. Some people are like that. And the last point I'm going to come to is faithfulness and serving. You know me, I believe in serving, and I believe in we need to have a servant heart. We believe in servant heart leadership. If you're going to be a leader, you need to be a servant first. And I always had that theory. People, I had to show everybody that worked for me that I'd do what I was asking them to do. That they knew that I would do it or I had done it or whatever. And if it was a bad place, I would be like, okay, let me go show you how to do it. We go do it. Numbers eleven twenty eight, and this is in the NIV. It says, Joshua, son of Nun who had been Moses' age since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. So the point I want to bring in here is that he was Moses' age since youth. Who entered the promised land? <laughs> Joshua and Caleb. That he entered not Moses, but you know what? He had been faithful to Moses all this time. God saw that, and so he was the one that got to enter we need to realize that that we need to be faithful and because of that in in numbers 27 18 it says so the lord said to moses take joshua son of nun a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him god knew saw the spirit of leadership in him because he was willing to what serve Servanthood brings you into leadership. And God saw that in Joshua. And he said, Moses, this is the guy that you need to lay your hands on. He's the one that's going to succeed you because of the spirit of leadership is in him. 
And then we got another guy called named Elijah. And 1 Kings 19, 21 says, So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So he did what he was told to do. He went back. He cooked the meat. He took care of those people, and then he hit the trail. He set out to follow Elijah. And, you know, we all know the story. Elijah got a double portion, right? He asked for it. He got it. And why? Because he faithfully served Elijah. Elijah knew that. God knew that. And he saw that. He faithfully served Elijah. So guess what? He, he was given the double portion anointing from Elijah. He got double what Elijah had. But, but he, he, he did that is because he was faithful to him. Had he not been faithful, he would not have gotten that. He would not have gotten it from his looks. I don't know what he looked like. But, you know, you're not going to get it because he looks good or he talks good or he says the right things or whatever, whatever. He got it because he was faithful. And he faithfully served Elijah. He faithfully served the Lord. He faithfully did what he was told to do. And, and, you know, how you do in serving in the church? How do you do in serving God? Are you doing everything that you're asked to do? Are you doing the things that you don't want to do? Right? Sometimes you're asked to do stuff that you really don't want to do, but God has a reason for it, and you do it, hopefully. And if you're doing that, then you're, you're just trying to, you know, there are people that serve. This, let me just read you this next question. Are you only trying to promote your gifts? So are you doing what you do so you can promote your gifts so that one day somebody will put you in a position? Or are you doing it because you want to serve God and you are willing to serve, do that until eternity if you need to? And that's why people get into bad places so they go like i said from church to church well, i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna go here i'm going here well say they come here and pastor bill's not putting me where i want me to be so i'm going somewhere else and find another body that will and they go there and the same thing happens and they go there and the same thing happens and why and they understand they don't understand what god why are you not well are you being faithful to what you're asked to do are you going there because you want to serve are you going there because you want to be served that's the end thing. Are you going there because you just want to be in a position? And you can walk around and say, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm so-and-so. I'm so-and-so. And what happens in that, in the place that you're at, it creates a spirit of competition. Whether it's in a church or in your job or whatever. So when you create that spirit of competition, what begins to happen a lot of times your competition begins to be with the leadership, not just those around you. And what happens a lot of times, that's what causes a lot of churches to split. Because I'm competing against you. And, you know, they won't, and they go and they, you know, they complain and they, well, I've been, you know, I've been here for a long time and I, I haven't been put into this position. Instead of going and saying, you know, can you t explain to me why and be, able, be willing to listen to why?
And those things are two things. Three things, I'll say. Deceit, skimming, scheming, and manipulation. You know what? God never blesses those things. God never blesses scheming, deceit, and manipulation. And somebody may get in a position because of that, but it won't work out real good. I've seen it happen a lot of times where people get into position and it doesn't work out real good and they don't understand. I finally got to where I wanted to be and it just didn't work out good. All this comes down to one thing, the heart of man. Your heart. Where is your heart in it? Why are you doing what you do? You know, and sometimes in doing what you want to do, you're not always going to be like, this is just so wonderful. I really want to do this. Well, other times you really don't. In your natural, you don't want to do it, but you do it because you know God's telling you to do it. And I think the quicker you learn that and the better you do what you're doing, the quicker you'll get out of that to the next thing and it will maybe get better. I continue in that. Well, I'm, excuse me. I want to go to Philippians. Second chapter, verses 5 through 11. And listen to this very carefully. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If there was anybody that ever lived that didn't need to be where he was and didn't deserve what he was getting, it was Jesus. And if anybody had the power or whatever to get out of it, guess who did? Jesus. He could have at any time said, okay, I'm done with this. I ain't going no further, God. The next part. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now listen to this. Therefore, we know what therefore, you always look back to see what the therefore is there for. So what does that mean? I, I, I thought about this. In other words, if God had not been obedient to the death on the cross, if he had not done, would he, that means he would not have been exalted to the highest place. Yes, it does. It means that. Because he was in an earthly form. He was God, but he was man. So he had our same whatever. So he had the choice to decide, I'm going to follow God or I'm going to follow the world. A lot of people can't understand that because well, he was Jesus. He was Jesus. But he came in human form just like us. He had the same temptations we did. He had the temptation to say, I ain't going to do this no more anymore. 
And he even had those thoughts in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, is there any other way to do it? Let's do it that way. But he said, but I know it's not. I'm going to be obedient to you. To you, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much I have to suffer. And see, because of that, God saw him and he exalted him. Now he's at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for me and you. He's in that place that he was always supposed to be, but he had to come 33 years. You know, you could have thought, well, God, you just bring me down there in two or three years, I'll be gone. But no, 33 years. And I know we think that's not a long time, but that's a long time. Especially when you know in your spirit, you know who you are, but you're having to do this. And I think we can put that into ourselves. I know maybe you know who God, what God has for you. Maybe you know the calling on your life, but guess what? You got to be where you're at and you got to be faithful just like Jesus was to get to that final place. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And you know what? As I said, just like with Jesus, it's not always easy. Some people think, well, I'll get saved and it'll just be a piece of cake, but it won't. You get cake sometimes and you get Brussels sprouts sometimes. Or for me, it would be like celery, and then I'd be, do not like celery. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. Where are you in that walk? Where are you in that place? Where are you? Are you struggling with that? You say, well, you know, I don't see this happening, so I'm just going to give up. And then when you really think you need God, you run to him and God fix this. And maybe he does. And then you go right back into that place because you're not being faithful with what he's giving you. You're not being faithful, so it turns around and it doesn't do well. Nobody ever said that this life would be easy. But God said, I'll never, never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you. David had to know that. Joseph had to know that. Paul had to know that. Every, uh, Jesus had to know that. And we have to know that. That God never leaves us or forsakes us. You know, I want everybody in, in this room, you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to ask you a question. You know, where are you at in this walk with God? Where are you at in this place? Could you say this morning, I need a checkup. Lord, I've checked myself this morning, and I need forgiveness for where I've been walking. I need to do what you tell us to do. If that's you this morning, everybody with their eyes closed, raise your hand. And I'm not going to call you up front, but I'm going to pray for you. Say, well, you know, I've not been doing it exactly the way I should have been. I haven't had the attitude that I need. And, I, and sometimes I want to scream and holler about it. But guess what? God loves you. He forgives you. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, those with the hands raised, I just pray right now that you and those out there watching, 
You may have your hands raised. God wants you to know he loves you this morning. And he will give you the strength to do what he says he will give you. Be faithful where you're at. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the small things, the minor things, the major things, everything. Be faithful in that. Say, Lord, give me the strength to be faithful. Help me remember when, when I want to wa waver from this. Help me remember what you said in your word. Help me remember this sermon this morning. Help me remember this message. Okay, Lord, it's tough, but I'm going to make it through because I want to get to where you want me to be. I want to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish on this earth. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be faithful to the end. Father God, I thank you this morning. I praise you and I give you glory and honor. I thank you for giving us strength. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word and for your, the truth in your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to um, partake in Lord's Supper this morning. If you're watching online, if you have, if you went and got something, you know, whatever it is to, to use in this. And you know what? When I think about this, see, and all this in the faithfulness, if Jesus hadn't been faithfulness, we wouldn't have this to do. We wouldn't be doing this and we wouldn't be proclaiming. So I believe when we, communion is not just a ritual thing. It's, it's something that Jesus told us to do. He said, and when you do it, remember me. So the whole thing in this is we're remembering Christ's sacrifice you know when we say I want to be like Jesus a lot of people say that because they want to do miracles or whatever well, I want to be like Jesus I want to whatever it needs if I have to sacrifice I have to do this I want to be like Jesus I want to do my job on earth the way Jesus did so Lord we thank you this morning for your body broken for us Lord Jesus and Lord, we want, we want to do what you said to do. So this morning, Father, just as you told your disciples, take this, eat it. This is my body broken for you. Father, we do this this morning, and we do it to remember your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. And Lord Jesus, we do thank you again for the sacrifice, not just your body, but your blood that you shed beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane all the way through to the cross. And then you let that blood be spilt on the altar of God to forever be the perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you for your blood, Lord, that gives us salvation, deliverance. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and glory and honor this morning. And we thank you, Lord, as we do this, as we drink this juice in remembrance of what you did for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I just pray for every person in the sound of my voice, Lord, that we would begin to take note of where we're at take note of are we doing what we're supposed to do the way we're supposed to do it and I believe 
Lord, that when we begin to do that, that we will see things change. We will see our lives changed. We will see our circumstances changed, our surroundings changed, and we will see you start working. Father, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that you, God, every person in this room probably has a place in their life that they need you to work. And they just, some of us need all, just nothing short of a miracle. So, Lord, work in every person's life. But, Lord, when we're faithful to you, you'll be faithful. So I thank you and praise you, Lord. I give you all the praise and the glory and honor in Jesus' name. We love you, Father. We thank you for this day. Bless your people, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. Hold on one second. Thank you, Robert, for putting that together. Pretty awesome. Um, we are um, going to Nicaragua this year. So um, we're going to trust and believe that we'll be on the plane. Uh, some of us are going real soon, and uh, we'll be taking the rest of the team in um, July. So we're excited. Uh, we have a meeting today in the prayer room for those who might be interested in being on that trip in July. Please come over for a very brief meeting. We'll talk about um, more just some, some dates and things um, than anything at this point because uh, we're, we're still working with Pastor Brian down there to put together exactly what we're going to be doing. But we do know what uh, we normally do there is not free. So um, be praying about, if you can't go, um, what you can do to help support the work there. Um, probably looking at, at helping uh, start building the walls that, some of those pictures, Mike, I don't know if you did that ring a bell. That was, uh, that was Pastor Isaac's church in Managua when y'all first went down there. It was just forced, you know, a roof and some steel. And today it's a beautiful church with probably one of the prettiest floors of any church. <laughs> it's prettier than our floor. Um, but God's done a great work there. So um, we do know that we're going to need um, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of... Uh, Four to five thousand dollars per church. So that's a lot of money, but I know God can do it. He's never failed us before, and He'll do it this time. So be in prayer about supporting that. Um.